is Sober Reference. You're listening to A Sober Story, digestible conversations filled with evidence that you can do anything without picking up a drink. We share more cost-free resources on our website, www.soberreference.com, and hope you'll connect with us on social media. Search Sober Reference now and look for our logo. For more information about today's guest, visit our show notes. We hope you find this content valuable and leave feeling inspired to drink less, live more, and meet your potential. Enjoy. Alrighty then. So I'm a geek. I'm a geek for the brain-body connection. I intrinsically understand how important it is for me. And like, I live very intuitively now listening to my body, what I call kind of you know, humble consumption, whether that be food or alcohol or any, or TV, because I listen to how my body and my mind respond to things. And I know for a fact that when I put alcohol into my body, my body, my mind responds very negatively. And that's the evidence that I need. I've done the research on me and I don't know how to explain it scientifically. I am profoundly um, kind of in awe and, and humble to the truth of it all in the way that I experience it. You know, my body knows better than, than I. And so what I want to hear from you is a little bit of your more clinical and scientific experience and research about the brain body connection. Um, Something that comes to mind for me, because I struggle with this, I, I go through bouts of like feeling waves of depression coming on. Sometimes I even have experiences where it's like three different things in life are piling up. I have a new job. My brother-in-law is sick and maybe my mom triggered uh, this old perfectionistic fear of abandonment in me. And I just have a day where I feel like I can't show up. And, you know, not that, I'm asking you to diagnose me on this call, but to, I say all this, um, just to set a, set a tone and perhaps for the listener, um, a container of, of relatability or understanding about why I'm so curious about this. Um, so from, I want to hear, you know, from your experience and you can really take this anywhere you want to, what have you learned about how people who have suffered in active addiction or alcoholism, how they experience sobriety, um, particularly with challenges they have in maintaining mind and maybe even suffering depression or even very short periods of complete overwhelm. All you have to look at first of all is uh, the brain. Let's look at, so the mind sits inside the brain. It's not one entity, just like the eyes are part of the brain. It isn't a different entity. So once we make our mind up to do something, it's energy. You can't see it, you can't feel it. it sits inside the brain, but it's energy. When I, where the sensors come from, I've made my mind up to do a certain thing. So listen very carefully, guys. You can be and do anything that you want to do, what you make your mind up to do. So you have to realize how powerful the mind is uh, the placebo effect. There's a great book out there called uh, Am I the Placebo or something like that. It's mind blowing. You know, if you walk into a doctor's and you feel okay and then he, he diagnoses you with something, you feel terrible coming out. There's no difference. 
You've just heard something that might not even be right, but all of a sudden my persona, my central nervous system, you know, amygdala starts with the trauma and I feel terrible, you know, we can control that. So the neural pathway, the, the neural pathways is our thought patterns. So normal people, 80% good, 20% bad. Alcoholics, addicts, 20% bad, 80% uh, bad, 20% good. So no matter what happens in my brain, I'm always going to recall from the trauma. Now, uh, trauma, childhood trauma is the gateway drug. We have to remember that. So when people go, oh, I've got no trauma, it's not true. And it really isn't true. Everybody has trauma to the extent that's a, that's a different thing. And alcoholics and addicts are more sensitive regarding your pathways, brain, amygdala, and everything with the trauma, then it's worse. I don't believe in big T, small T. Everything's a big trauma if you don't uh, apply some sort of healing to it. So we look at thought patterns normally. My thought patterns, they are good. But for those people still suffering from some kind of addiction or childhood trauma, they're usually bad. So the prefrontal cortex has one main job, and that is to come up with a solution immediately to my problem. The only deal with that is it doesn't have to be the correct answer. So what happens with me, or it used to happen, give me an answer, give me an answer, straight into the subconscious brain, terrible things back. And that's the way it goes on until you clear that trauma. So the subconscious brain and the, and the conscious brain, uh, Carl Jung talks about this, it was so right back in the day. You know, most of my stuff's dragged from this piece back here, that's badness, very few is dragged from here. The idea is when they cross over, the subconscious and conscious, you get to choose which mindset you're coming from. So to change a negative neural pathway into a positive neural pathway can happen in seconds, but our golden rule is 7.3 seconds. Let me explain what that is. So if I'm sat on the couch tonight with a big bag of coca uh, chips and a big can of Coca-Cola, and I lean over to my wife and I say, listen, wifey, I'm gonna go to the gym tomorrow. She knows I'm not going to the gym. I know, she knows, even the dogs know I'm not going to the gym. But within that 7.3 seconds, if I get up and go to the bedroom, sneakers in, t-shirt, put the bag near the door, there's a good chance. So if we leave it in the subconscious brain festering away, then our dreams are not gonna come true. So it's about imagining, okay? So how do we get something that we want? Well, quantum physics says that I can be on a basketball court 12 times. Every single position I could be in because nothing's real. So I can visualize the basketball court and I can visualize me 12 times. What position do I want to be when I'm looking at that? I've never played basketball, but I want to be over near the goal because I know if I get the ball and I bang it in the net, I'm going to be ahead of the game. The question begs, how do I get there? And the answer is simple. You walk over and you take that position. You don't beg for it. You don't crawl for it. You walk over and you take that position. But what happens with human beings is the childhood trauma. You're not good enough. You can't go there. How many times, Robert, have I told you, you can't go to college like your brother, you're too stupid, was one of mine. And we take that in. All the dysfunctional family stuff I take in negative, I take in the subconscious brain. That becomes my core beliefs, which comes my behavior going forward. And a classic example of this is, let's say, a, a, a girl, a girl, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, around that age. She's learnt at that age, because dad's an alcoholic, to, to listen for the, the key in the door. If it jumps around a little bit, it's, they've got to run to hide, you know, it's going to be violence. If he goes straight in, dad's amazing tonight, it's going to be fantastic. 
And they listen, run to hide or not. When they get into adult life and they go out and they don't remember, they, they, this girl has seen violence, seen drinking, especially with mom. So she grows up and she attracts. What we attract is what we think we are worth. We attract the same sort of guy like our dad that ends up being an alcoholic and beating my mom. To the extent that if they did meet somebody that was really nice to them, they would self-sabotage that relationship because it doesn't feel comfortable. So again, childhood trauma is everything. What you do here as an adult and you had the trauma here, you cannot correlate the both. They are, you just can't imagine both, but there's a connection every single time for every movement, every eye movement, every behavior, every language, whatever we use as a tantrum or, or good behavior, is back to our ch uh, childhood because 95% uh, of communication is, is non-verbal. So when you look at a baby, you know, he want, that when he does this, he wants to be picked up and loved. When it does this, it's hungry. You know, when you laugh and clap hands, it, the baby will do the same. We pick up that from our family. So if it's a dysfunctional family, I grew up with dysfunctional ideas about the world. And unless I go back and clear that up, we call it going back to the scene of the crime, and dealing with that, you will always suffer from that and you will only, guys, listen carefully, you will only be able to uh, be about 65% with your capability and capacity in life. Difference between 100 and the 65% is the trauma, childhood trauma, 8,000 patients over 30 years, believe me. And the guy up here has got so much confidence that he's running that multi-million dollar company as a CEO. And the only difference between him and you is you don't believe you can do it. So very fascinating thing that I heard you say is that idea of 80-20. Um, when you have lots of trauma, right? Um, there You grow up and you live with a mind that operates 80% subconscious, 20% conscious. And that's where we find even in recovery, even though we've put down the thing that we are addicted to, we might find that we still have similar patterns or are not seeing the amount of progress or success that we want to see in our life, even though we've done the amazing thing of like putting down what was like the major problem or the thing that was killing us the fastest. And what I'm hearing you say is there is a way to bridge or transform that 80-20 into a greater balance, or even at some point, I do believe the ability for the conscious percentage to overtake the unconscious percentage. And I can just say to my own experience that I have seen that transformation, right? The strengthening of the conscious mind happen, I think it's possible for anyone. And what I wanna ask you though is, because you said something really interesting to me, which is, you know, we um, attract or can tend to be in relationships that mirror the trauma that we were raised in. And that so much so are we comfortable in the trauma that we might sabotage healthy relationships. Now, how would someone be able to differentiate, right? Like what is healthy, what is not? What am I sabotaging versus what am I seeing? How could someone find clarity on what's actually happening if you know, I've, I've had this in my past too, like kind of knowing enough about the brain where I know like, oh, I could be reacting from trauma. Sometimes it's difficult to trust my own <clears throat> things or motives or mine. 
knowing that I could very likely be reacting from a place of, you know, pain in the past. So how would you recommend someone seek clarity as to what is true and not true, what is healthy and not healthy in their life? Well, the childhood work and the inner child work is always the best thing to do. Go back there with EMDR or brain spotting, which is what we do, brain spotting, uh, and find out where the, where them crimes were committed. We call them crimes because it really sometimes against the law and it's definitely against the law in the brain against you self-sabotaging all the time so it's really you know if you get with somebody who's really good and take you back and look at that and then the the tools around that are brain spotting uh, nlp neuro linguistic programming somatic experience uh, it's tools like that we use to, to repair that past and bring them into the future uh, th there's a saying out there that we created years ago and that was don't believe everything the mind tells you or the brain tells you because it's usually not true. So then we look at the self-sabotaging uh, body for a second and the gut feeling, which is so real, goes back to the tribal days, uh, that we forget about that. We don't listen to our body. So we go down the same route every single time. It's about recognizing that that route is unhealthy and you can't do it yourself. The definition of insanity is me not being able to see my own truth. Like you don't see yourself with who you are now. You really don't. You sat there, you do your job, you know, now and again, you get guy or girl complimenting you and you feel a bit good. But when you sat there in general, you don't realize what you see is a girl got on a podcast today, blah, blah, blah. What I see is someone absolutely beautiful, got a great presence. There's a great spirit about you. You articulate, you're just this amazing person that everybody would want to be near, but we don't feel that. But unless we see the trauma, because 90% of us don't, you know, it's subconscious. We can't live this life that we want to live. Now, the good news to that is everybody, unless you have some sort of brain damage that stops you from doing this. But if the hypothalamus, the basal ganglia, and the amygdala are working good, the hippocampus, uh, the insula, if they're all working well, which you can repair, or down to childhood trauma, then that brings you into the new world. And when you look back, you can, you can regulate this behavior with your new behavior here. So the question or tags on the end of that is how do I start changing the neural pathways? It's easy. Get up in the morning, go into the bathroom. If you brush your hand with your right hand, start brushing with the left for a week. And then you just create a new pathway. Instead of going to work down I-10, uh, take the service roads. It's going to be a little bit longer, but it's a different route. So that's what neural pathways are. They're like um, freeways in our head. And we tend to go around the same old thing, doing the same old thing, da-da-da-da. There, there was a girl in uh, Manchester, England, in the late 60s, was snatched off the side of the road. Schoolgirl, nobody could find her. Big manhunt, can't find her. Nine months later, police cars following another car down a road, country road, got a broken light, pulls him over, searches his car, got a stolen screwdriver. Now, back in the day, you're allowed to go back, no search warrant, to the house, see what else is stolen. And sure enough, all these other tools and drills and all stolen. On the way out, they see this box in the corner in another room. It's four foot high by about 12 foot wide. And they say, we know you've got more stolen stuff in there. So they smashed the lock off, opened, and there was the girl that went missing nine months ago. Now, she was alive, but she was beaten and battered because they used to take her out every day, abuse her sexually, uh, restroom, food, back in the box for nine months. When the policewoman went over and helped this girl out, she took a police coat and she put it around her. What's the first thing she did? She got back in the box. 
And that's what we do with life. Now with years or months or days, whatever it took for her of, of trauma training and healing, then she realizes we can't get back in the box. Even though it become our comfort place, sometimes our comfort place is the wrong way to be. There are no champions. And when I mean champions, I don't mean rich people, best dad in the world, best brother in the world. Champions are never, never built from comfort zones. You have to step out. And that's all about the neuroscience. Mm. That's so inspiring because a big reason I got sober, quite honestly, was because I, I had, a, I was conscious enough to realize that I had potential and I was not needing it. And I was like mad enough about that. And also you know, suffering enough from the sickness that I was just like, I, something has to change. And I find myself having, you know, moments like that you know, every year, every three months throughout my recovery, I eventually hit a new wall where I'm saying, this isn't for me. I'm not willing to live like this anymore. I, you know, like suffering, I'm not going to cut, it's not going to cut it anymore. Whether that's the relationship I have with how I'm showing up at work, the things that I tell myself in my mind, but it, you know, it really speaks to, and you said it so beautifully, like it's the, I guess the paradox that we find ourselves in one, we, we have low self-esteem and yet we also have um, kind of an ego complex. So yeah. it's, you know, meeting yourself where you're at. I think the, the takeaway that I'm hearing from you and quite honestly, what I practice and tell to myself every day is like, I'm always a work in progress, but if I am willing to believe that I have great potential, probably great enough potential beyond my comprehension, that it's, it's consistently worth it to show up and do my best, you know? So I have to balance that, like, I'm great with what can I actually do today? Um, but what I hear from you is that if you feel that kind of intuitive seed of I'm meant for more or I'm capable of more or life can be better than this, that's a beautiful gift. And to heed that by, I love how you mentioned, you know, um, your um your attendance in programs like Alcoholics Anonymous and all the while the great benefit of programs or um, services outside of Alcoholics Anonymous such as your own you know we don't have to have one specific solution we can have a myriad of really wonderful solutions that build our recovery and our success and you know while we wrap up here I want to give you a minute to um, just conclude in whatever way feels good to your heart for our time here today, what would you like people to hear as we wrap up yeah. this? Well, first of all, if, you, if you're at home, guys, and you, you're in that place that we just talked about, um, you feel as if you're not going to amount to anything, that you're never going to be any good. I want to apologize to you. Somebody's put that there. Babies are born with million dollar minds. Stop hanging around 10 cent minds. Babies are born with two fears, the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. The rest are added by human beings. Wait till your father gets old. You are capable of doing anything you want. And they used to say to me years and years ago, well, I can't be president of the United States, Rob. Now forget, forget your political views for a second. We have a business somewhere in the country with no political experience whatsoever. Don't dare tell me that you can't do anything that you put your mind to because you're lying to yourself. Get out of that comfort zone. Go out, compliment three people every day. But if you are in that position and you've got nowhere to turn to, 214-600-0210 is my personal cell phone number. Text me. I will call you back and I will give you a 10-minute pep talk that 
and change your life. And if it doesn't, I'm going to send you $100 for your time. Rob, Dr. Rob, um, you know, I want to just thank you so much. You are an inspiration. You prove that there is power enough for us to, you know, do great things, not only for ourselves, but for other people. And, you know, there's a lot of energy in the clarity that you provide. Thank you so much for providing that clarity today. Oh, thank you for having me on. It's been a blast. Bye, guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Sober Reference. We hope you found this content valuable and are leaving feeling inspired to drink less, live more, and meet your potential. You can find more cost-free resources on our website, www.soberreference.com. We hope that you'll connect with us on social media, search Sober Reference now, and look for our logo. Great job taking in sober positive content today. Until next time, this is Sober Reference, and we are so glad that you're here.